0: After further review, we're back at it again with that all around the world with Lisa Stansfield instrumental. And guess what? We got a coach that's been around all around the country and gives us his insight on high school basketball and the NBA and college. Let's welcome in Darren Cohn, the coach. Darren, welcome back to the show. Man, haven't talked to you all year, actually. You've been so busy.
1: Hey, what's up, Derek Lawson? Thanks for having me on, guys. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure
0: uh what have you been Happy up to, to talk man? a little
1: round ball
0: yeah what have you been up to man since we haven't talked usually we have you like beginning of the season mid end but this year kind of like we just got you at the end
1: yeah you know same old same old nothing new on my end uh Working traveling paying taxes and uh, lots of basketball
0: <laughs> that's one thing you, you can you can't avoid is death taxes and basketball <laughs> for sure for sure, especially <laughs> in my role <laughs> exactly and uh basically how we're gonna get into it is that we're gonna get into a our uh, uh, round ball mix, so to speak, but once again we always have to give you a a, a rounded applause here, always giving you a great insight on the show and uh, like I said always grateful for you but now we're going to get into the, our little college or high school basketball team here your thoughts on the season uh, actually I'm going to look this up we're going to start off with the City League actually and your thoughts on the City League as Scott and Start played each other in the championship and Start was able to get come away with the win but they were also regular season champs what were your thoughts on the City League this year
1: yeah, no doubt. I mean, great battle again. I mean, Start and Scott have met in the City League Championship the last couple of years. And Start was able to be victorious once again. Actually, that's a three-peat for the Start Spartans and the fellas over there on Tremainesville, three straight City Championships. And I believe they went 3-0 and against Scott this year, twice in the regular season, um, and then winning in that championship game. So another feather in the cap for Matt Wortham uh, and company and his coaching staff, just showing that uh, for the most part they have had pretty much complete dominance over the city league uh since he's taken over the head coaching job um you know did come up uh, runner up uh, once or twice but basically have been the team to beat since he's been the head coach and along with stone edwards who's been a mainstay for the spartans you know they added romel hightower who interestingly was a transfer from scott so to face his old team um you know, those times and especially in the championship game, you know, created a unique dynamic. Uh, but those two are the best one two punch in the city league. They both have great size, uh, and some versatility to score inside and outside. And ultimately, we're just, uh, too much, too much to handle for anyone else in the league, uh, with that skill set and ability to score with a couple guys that can get double figures every night and the way that, uh, you know, the Spartans always defend in the half court. So, yeah, kudos to start and, um, Another another great season for those guys and it'll be interesting to see uh you know how they can do here in the bracket play in the state tournament as they face off against um you know some guys some teams from other
0: conferences. Yeah, that's that is true. Uh Romeo Hightower and Stone Edwards were both top leaders in points where Romeo averaged sixteen point three points per game and then Stone Edwards was right behind him at fifteen point nine. Trey Brooker from Rogers was 14.6. Dante Mays, his dad was actually a really good ball player back in the day at Libby. He averaged 14.3. Actually, Dante led the, the league in scoring last year, and he kind of more was a team guy this year. And Taylor Jones, I believe the freshman from weight, was at 13.8. Uh, start was undefeated, though, through the league, 17-5, and five, and they were followed by Scott at 8-2. and two. Bowser was 6-4. and four. By the way, uh, Joe Guerrero, I believe one of your mentors, this is his last season coaching basketball.
1: Yeah, Joe Guerrero has been all over the place, many uh, many different programs uh, for nearly 40 years. And, uh, you know, finally going to hang up the sneakers and put the whistle down and, and enjoy some life and family and grandkids and that kind of thing. But the impact that he's had at so many places, Clay, weights, uh Bowyer seems like he's been all over places. I believe he was at start at one point and just coached many, many spots, and um, you know been a, a blessing for young people in Northwest Ohio and for the game of basketball. And you know it's uh it's it's really impacted his life, but he's also impacted way, way, way more uh, people through the game of basketball to become successful young
0: men in society. Yeah. Then following the Rodgers was four and six. They were five and sixteen on the year. They actually got a tournament win against Otsego the other night. Woodward was 2 and 8. They're 4 16. And Waite was 0 10 in the league, 3 and 18. Rebounding leaders was Daryl Barnett from Scott at 11 6. Him and LaBelle Bebley from Rogers tied 11.6. Romel was third at 11.1. Going over to the Three Rivers Athletic Conference last year of the conference, and it went out in style. Central Catholic and Whitmer tied and are co champions at 11 3 apiece. Um, your thoughts on that uh, conference?
1: Yeah, I mean, just a just a tremendous year and, uh, you know, pretty interesting that this was probably the most balanced or up for grabs the uh, league championship race has been in many years. It seems like there's always been a heavy favorite or a dominant team uh, in past years and sad to see the league go, um, I feel like, for... The last decade, it's been the premier um, high school basketball league in Northwest Ohio, specifically for boys. Um, had, had typically the strongest teams, the most depth amongst the teams, and the most college level. Type prospects. So the fact that that's going to get broken up and everybody going in a different directions is certainly going to change the dynamic. But, you know, fantastic, fantastic run this year. You know, Whitmer um, may be the most talented and best team that I've seen in Northwest Ohio. They've had some inconsistencies at times and they've had some injuries that have affected the team. Uh, but when they're healthy and they're all together on the floor, perhaps they are the most talented and best overall team. Um, in Northwest Ohio, Anthony Stacy's crew, uh, led by the sophomore phenom, Antoine West. He's been fantastic, uh, was named track player of the year, just a very talented, uh, skilled wing who can do it inside and outside and plays with a lot of composure and poise for a young guy. And then they got a left-handed point guard named Derek James. Though Antoine West is their best player, Derek James might be their most important player, um, really does a great job of, Running the team on offense, pushing the ball in transition, defending and stopping the basketball on the defensive end, and 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 just has been one of the more improved players the last two years in Northwest Ohio. So just fantastic uh, run by Whitmer and that group, and you know I think they did what they were supposed to do, pretty much met expectations. Whereas Central Catholic, you know I think you could argue argue that they overcame or surpassed expectations. Uh, Mike Floyd and his group on Cherry Street just a tremendous year, uh, especially when you think about they lost a Division One signee and Chico Johnson due to injury. We don't have a lot of Division One players in Northwest Ohio, and Chico Johnson is a uh, you know a, a, a sure shot Division One guy who I believe is signed with Drake, uh, who's in a first place battle uh, with Bradley to win their league, and um, at a very very strong mid major league this year. Uh, But without Chico, you know, the guys were able to really step up. And I really have uh, heaped a lot of praise on Isaiah Brenneman, a guy that, you know, kind of played the same position as Chico and probably wouldn't have had as strong of a year if Johnson was healthy and available to play. But Brenneman really stepped up uh, when his opportunity, uh, you know, presented itself and was just a fantastic player for the Irish this year. Ended up being a first-team all-track selection and just did a very, very, very strong job, both offensively and defensively, really flourished into their go-to player this year. And, you know, plenty of other guys that helped with that with Makai Leach and Michael Greenlee and, and, you know, some really good guards and athletes there at Central Catholic. But Brenneman, um and he was a difference maker in terms of uh, putting Central Catholic in a position to
0: tie for that league title. Yeah, that, that, that sums it up in a n- nutshell there and some of them NLL coaches would kind of disagree with you about the track being the premier league they they get a little salty both boys and girls size where they like hey don't forget about us we have we have some good teams too but I would have to kind of agree with you from top to bottom more of an athletic league like you said maybe more next level players but I will give the NLL credit, It is it, it, being that I've coached in that league. It is a coach's league. You've you got to be prepared every night. Someone's going to have some kind of game plan against you, and that's both in boys and girls. Um, Finley ended up 10-4. and four. Lima Sr., and 8-6. Quincy did a really good job with that team. Most people are used to Lima Sr. being at the top, um, but this year he lost a lot to graduation from last year, and, and really Lima Sr. at one point was in the championship race. Uh, St. John's was 8-6, and six, uh, and St. Francis 6-8. and eight. Talk a little bit about St. Francis and their, their kind of bounce back after beating um, t- uh, St. John's at home in the, at the pit last week.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think St. Francis is a team that's playing their best basketball heading into the state tournament. You know, they had a really rough year last year and were young, and um, they've... Uh, you know, gotten better uh, through trials and tribulations and, and probably had a slow start this year, but um, are playing quite well. Elvis Soroka, the senior, um, is doing a nice job scoring the basketball. And Jamison Heck is the sophomore point guard who um, has moved off the ball a little bit more and was their leading scorer, but um, also uh, plays tough, heady defense. And, uh, you know, they were, they were down double figures early in that game to St. John's and were able to come back. And um, persevere and send the game to overtime and able to win the game in overtime. And they got a lot of contributions from their role players and guys off the bench and really found some mismatches uh, in that fourth quarter in overtime, especially with uh, Mr. Ferguson being able to drive the bigs of St. John's from the perimeter and get them in foul trouble. So St. John's was really down their front-line guys, a couple guys fouled out, and they had some foul trouble. And, and uh, it really was exposed by St. Francis. So, you know, I think Jamie Kashmir has to be quite happy with his guys, uh, how they've grown and developed this year, and how they're playing really good ball heading into the tournament. Um, of course, obviously, after knocking off your arch rival at home uh, with a capacity crowd, it doesn't get much better than that.
0: Right, and then Talir Sanders was able to hit the free throws to pretty much seal the deal for them in overtime. Uh, Fremont Ross, was at two and twelve. Clay was oh fourteen, but Fremont Ross had the league's leading scorer in Aiden Carter at twenty two point nine points per game. Your thoughts on his game?
1: Yeah, you know he's an undersized guard that can score. You know he, he's he's not really a point, he's not really a two guard. He's small, but he's very active. Obviously, he gets to take a lot of shots uh, with the role that he's in, so he's a bit of a volume scorer, and and he's done that for several years. He, he didn't just like pop onto the scene here. He's he's been putting up big numbers scoring offensively and, and he's a guy that's got uh the attention of a lot of small colleges in the region um, seeing if you know if it makes sense for him to bring his talents to their school here and continue on as a, a student athlete at the collegiate level here after he finishes uh at fremont ross
0: i believe he's committed to walsh
1: oh that's a good choice for him i did not Realized he had already committed, but yeah, that would be a great choice and great program and a chance to do good things at a very high academic school.
0: Yes, and then Antoine West was at 21.5. Some are saying he's a D1 athlete. I know he's getting a few offers. Plays for all Ohio Red. C.J. Hornby at 20.5. He really elevated his game this year as well.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that, you know, he had some holes in his game and he really improved on those. He became a better defender on the ball and in help side and a much better outside shooter. He's always had a, a knack for scoring and, and a propensity to make big shots at big moments in the game. And I think he, uh, you know, he's polished up some of those things and answered questions about, you know, what type of all-around player he is. Uh, a guy that can truly play both guard slots and, uh, and is a
0: winner. Yeah, Jake Bishop followed up with 19 points per game, and then it, it dropped down to Isaiah Burnaman at 12.6. Derek James, as you talked about earlier, 11.9, and Jalen Murphy was at 11.5. Uh, the Rebounding leaders was Ryan Coop, who got all, honorable mention all track, and Anthony Mosey from Lima was 8.9. Now let's get into the Northern Lakes League, where it was somewhat of a surprise. Another co-champion, Perrysburg, was picked, I believe, preseason favorites, but Anthony Wayne, I believe, who was picked, what, fifth or sixth, ended up tying with them, and Parker Schofield got player of the year in the league.
1: Yeah, and kind of mirrors the track. You know, Perrysburg was picked preseason number one. They had a ton of seniors and uh, and guys with a lot of experience, and I think they did quite well. Um, and, you know, perhaps – the second best team that I've seen uh, in Northwest Ohio, again, when they're healthy and they're all on the floor, um, you know, and they actually went over and beat a shorthanded Whit- Whitmer in a head to head at Whitmer mm-hmm. uh, early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, just um, in terms of what I've seen with my eye test, Whitmer and Perrysburg have been the best two teams with a, probably a slight edge with, uh, with, with Whit- Whitmer and uh, their pressure defense. Uh, but Perrysburg is a fantastic team and they did what they were supposed to do, staying at top of the league. Uh, with the Hunt twins and Mr. Watson and, uh, you know, just a fantastic group of of guards uh, that can really score it inside and out. Um, So Anthony Wayne was a bit of the surprise, you know, they weren't even uh, picked second in the preseason poll and ended up tying for the championship. And it came right down to that final week where they had to close out and win games. Um, Parker Schofield is just a really tough kid um, who's fantastic going to the basket, Scores in the paint, gets fouled a lot, gets to the free throw line, puts pressure on the defense, makes free throws. And, uh, you know, I think deservedly so, deserved to be, uh, conference player of the year. And he's got some tough kids around him. Um, and, you know, they're going to have a really tough first round bracket matchup here with Finley, who's a team from the track that's very, very similar to them. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed the NLL. And uh, you know, I caught your comment earlier. Well, next year there'll be no debate because NLL will be the best conference because you know there's no more tracks, right? Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, it was a very competitive and balanced league this year. You know, Northview was very young, but they had you know the Twin Towers. They just have a very huge team. And Southview had a nice little run early in the year. Uh, you know, they didn't finish up as strong, but uh, they had a nice little streak where they won some great games with Micah Bay's a great scoring guard, and then Springfield as well, very talented. Um, uh, set of guards and you know i think they have nine seniors or something on springfield's team yeah. so they were they were you know a really tough out uh night in night out and we're in that championship hunt you know they're um, at least at the midway point in the season so the nll uh coaches did a great job um you know a lot of really good coaches in the league and uh you know anthony wayne and uh definitely deserve to be on top of it and uh, both have a chance to uh, make some noise here while in a win or go home situation that we now are facing.
0: Right. And the, the, the top four teams, Perrysburg, Anthony, and Northview, Springfield, at one point were at, in first play, place in the lead. Then it got a little bit divided when Bowling Green at 7-7. Seven and seven, and Southview, Napoleon, and Maumee kind of were in the rear there. And as you mentioned, Micah Bays led the league in scoring at 19.9 points per game. Parker Schofield was about 18. Matt Watkins was at 17.4. Austin Schultz came along too at 17.4. Um Caden Cruz from Napoleon was 17.4. They kind of tied there. And then Drew Barneski was at sixteen point four, where last season he was more of a role player. And I think he only averages what, two to four points a game. And then he just really jumped up to sixteen. But I guess when, you know, you kind of get more of an offensive um uh, low for you a more offensive responsibility your scoring should go up
1: well barneski was like the sixth or seventh man on our team that was really really good with nine seniors that graduated yeah. he's basically the only varsity player back uh, and was thrown in from a, you're the only guy that has experience to here's the keys to the bus and uh you know go get it done and he's he's a he's a nice player and is gonna have a great career um you know just really shows a lot of um a lot of experience in, uh, in Moxie uh, when he's got the ball in his
0: hands. I coached his sister at St. Ursula, that little little tidbit right there. Uh, Dominic Bracey was able to uh, lead the league in rebounds at 8.6, and Alan Horton, who you talked about won the Twin Towers, was at 8.1 rebounds per game. Uh, NBC, not the network, Northern Buckeye Conference, Rossford took it away. They were 14-0. and 0. Your thoughts on the NBC
1: yeah, I mean, you know, Ross was the most talented team. Derek Vorst, uh, you know, a Division One signee with my friend Josh Church over at Indiana State University. Again, we don't get a lot of D1 guys. Derek Vorst is a bona fide D1 big guy. He's been a pleasure to watch. Uh, you know, a guy that can play inside and outside still wants to put his back to the basket and mix it up in there and go rebound and chase uh, offensive boards out of his area, but can step out and shoot the ball and much better uh, guarding on the perimeter this year than in the past, and just done a much better job playing out of double teams. I, I thought he was uh, very well improved and and showed that he might be the best individual player in Northwest Ohio. He's certainly in the top three, um, and and uh, you know just just did a really good job. And, uh, Brandon Revels or Brendan Revels is a fantastic guard. Uh, gets downhill, uh, gets into the paint, really runs that team, and uh, does a really good job defensively as well. Made big shots for them, and uh, and then uh, the Morrison kid. Um, you know, it seems like the Morrisons just never go away. They, they keep having. There's always a Morrison in the starting lineup over at Rossford and you know another one signing with Finley. He had a, a great year, and um, you know he, he's a very uh, uh, unheralded guy because of the, the attention that Vorst and Rebels gets but then you look and Morrison you know he's always got like 10 points and 6 rebounds and 5 assists or whatever the numbers may be he contributes across the stat sheet uh, so they're a really good team um, and you know I actually saw their, their Genoa game you know that uh, Genoa basically I believe it's Genoa right they ran yes. ran the table except the two losses to Rossford and right. Rossford handled them pretty good uh, pretty good both times um, so you know, there wasn't a lot of resistance in that league. Uh, Rothford was clearly uh, the top dog in that conference this year.
0: Yes. Uh, actually, as you mentioned before, Janaro was 12 and 2, 15 and 7. They were very young, too. They had a very lot of freshmen uh, come up and, and play. So they, they did a really good new coach and everything. I believe it's uh, Sandwich, I believe, is it? Who's the coach? Yeah, exactly.
1: Coach Sandwich. And, uh, and you know, so they're going to be really good next year because Rothford's losing a ton of guys. So. I, I can't imagine that they won't be the favorite. Uh, like you said, they basically went undefeated except their games versus Rossford. Right.
0: Eastwood was ten and four. They actually just got knocked out of the tournament, by the way. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, case boost in them. Uh, Fosteri was six and eight. Otsego was six and eight. Woodmore was five and nine. Elmwood was two and twelve. They were, they were at the top of the league last year, but they lost one of their leading scorers and uh, Mister Reynolds. And then Lake one and thirteen, <laughs> two and twenty on the season. Yikes. Um, Derek Boris, obviously the rebounding leader 10-1 and one. let's go to the TAC Emmanuel Christian wins the league, 9-1 Cardinal Stritch was at 8-2 and two. I believe um, Seth Harris was the coach of the year I think he tied possibly with him and um, Lionel Armstead I believe yeah, what are your, your thoughts or is, I think that's the district coach of the year but in the TAC actually Seth Harris got coach of the year thoughts on the TAC yeah,
1: I mean, I thought the Tech had a lot of good basketball this year. You know, there's so much talent at uh, at Emmanuel Christian with, obviously, Jerry Easter and uh, Nate Miles. And um, I can't even think of the other fellow's name. He's got a hyphenated last name, a sophomore. Uh, but they're just very, very talented uh, guards and wings. Um, tough to match up with and they had some adversity this year and were able to play through all that and continue to um, compete for that championship uh, you know because it's well coached league uh, Boris over at Toledo Christian does a nice job preparing and, and obviously Ottawa Hills is always a tough tough game uh, but Seth Harris was fantastic in terms of I think getting his guys to play above uh, their preseason ranking or above where you would maybe slot them on paper with Burton and Hughes uh, and uh, and Yost, uh, they just had a, a tremendous team with some toughness and grit uh, and, you know, were able to knock off Emmanuel Christian the second time around. So they split this year um, and just made the Tech race really interesting and exciting to watch, um, you know, because on paper in the preseason, it would be easy to think that Emmanuel Christian was just going to run away with it, uh, but Cardinal Stritch had... Had different plans. And if it wasn't for a little bit of a hiccup midseason where they lost uh, an unexpected game versus Maumee Valley, you know, they would actually tie for the championship. Uh, but they had that, uh, that one loss to Emmanuel Christian and one loss to uh, Maumee Valley, I believe. So they ended up a half game back of Emmanuel after beating them there at the end of the year. Yes. Yeah, I'm
0: kind of crazy. Both teams ended up at 19 and 3. Sulu so Christian was at 5 and 5. Maumee Valley was at 4 and 6. Ottawa Hills. You said Lindsey, a great coach, but he just didn't have the horses in the stable this year. 4-6, and six, and then Northwood was 0-10 at 6-16. Six and 16. You notice you said not much in this area of D1 guys. What makes a D1 guy? Because, you know, in the streets and on the social media, everyone thinks everyone's a D1 player. This is on boys and girls' side. is like you've coached at the Division one level, and you've seen a lot of basketball. Let people know your opinion is what makes a D1 guy i mean i've coached guys like Benny williams so i know who is a bona fide d1 guy but everyone just throws this word d1 around and telling kids this and kids literally think they're d1 it's like nah kid nothing wrong with the next level being at d2 and below but you've got to be a very special special basketball player to be a division 1 basketball player
1: yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, there's, there's only roughly 350 Division I teams, and each one of them has uh, 13 scholarships. So it's a very limited, less than 1,500 players in the whole uh, world play at the NCAA Division One level in the United States. And and that's actually ballooned because when I first started as a Division One coach, I believe there were 283 uh, Division I teams uh, back in 2000. So it's really wow. blossomed and they're adding a lot of teams. And so there is more opportunity. But, you know, I mean, ultimately, he, he, there, it's, it's really hard to just summarize what that is. But it's a guy that can... Play at the highest level and impact both offensively and defensively, and ultimately, you know, has some some God given ability, whether it's height or size or quickness, and uh, and something that's really developed their skill set, uh, able to play, um, you know, against the best guys night in and night out. And, you know, there's a there's a uh, you know kind of a coaching definition. There's a big difference between someone who can go contribute at a division one level and truly be a division one player right now we're in a situation where sometimes guys get signed or recruited D one, but they're not necessarily um, that caliber of player and you see them transfer after a semester, after a year back to D two or D three and NAI. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think part of that is because coaches make misevaluations. It's not the players' fault, uh, because recruiting's changed so much right now with the transfer portal and and and, and colleges looking to recruit from other colleges first mm-hmm. uh, and then after that probably the junior college level and then the last place that most schools are looking is the high school level so there is a lot of misevaluation, evaluation and um, like I said there's uh, m- many more schools out there hunting for players for scholarships than in the past at the division one level so it does create some great areas so I think we're seeing a lot more of recruit quote-unquote recruiting mistakes or um, people getting misevaluated. but a guy that can truly go in and make an impact no later than a sophomore year, and and contribute for multiple years, um, helping the team be successful. I think would, would kind of roughly be what what makes someone a D one guy, and that's why I think Derek Vorst definitely is that. Tico uh, Johnson definitely is that as long as he's able to recover um, health wise, and you know Jerry Easter is, is going to be that. Um, you know those those are three. For sure. Um, after that, you know, it, it definitely it definitely becomes a wait and see uh, in this area um, in terms of who is going to be able to project and deliver at that next level.
0: Yeah, and, and you t- you try to tell people that, and but it just seems like it just goes over their head, and, and, and then they call you a hater, and it's just like you know you, you got to realize how good you have to be, and sometimes some guys I've said go to a lower level and can transfer up. I mean, sometimes it's a factor to get. Playing basketball, balancing the books, getting your body right—I mean, you know, it's it's a lot. I mean, but some people don't understand it. Also, where to me, and I'm just—you know—you maybe could agree and disagree—is that I think there's too many people out there that are evaluating players and misevaluating them. And I think some coaches aren't doing their due diligence in recruiting and just basically going by that word of the like some of these subscriptions or people that do evaluations like talent evaluators or whatever for different uh uh, programs and subscriptions for magazines or whatever or stuff online and i think don't you think that kind of factors into that where some guys just don't have a keen eye for talent
1: well it definitely creates a bit of a challenge that there's no barriers to entry to call yourself a recruiting service or a evaluator or an internet blogger or that type of thing. So anyone in this day and age with social media and all the different platforms can voice their opinion and there's nothing wrong with them voicing their opinion. Uh, But sometimes it can end up affecting um, the, the young players themselves, if, if they're voicing inaccurate information or, or, you know, maybe underselling or overselling, it can go certainly both ways. Uh, uh, but ultimately, a coach has got to go out and do their due diligence and do their work. And, you know, some do and some don't. Sometimes it's a work ethic or, or, or a bandwidth or time constraint. Some In some situations, it's budget constraints and financial uh, uh, availability, resources of the university or the athletic department. So there's a lot of things um, that factor into it, but no doubt about it. I mean, just having an opportunity to play at any level, if you love and are passionate about the game, um, you know, is a blessing. And that, you know, that's part of the other part of the, uh, question that you asked earlier, what makes a division one player is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys, um, you know, don't necessarily have that love or passion for it. They like it. They like it. They like the attention they get. They like to, you know, to play the game. But when you're at that level, It's more. It's more like a job, you know. It's uh, your your life is is managed and and scheduled and controlled to an extent where you know you got weight room and study hall and meal plans and and class checks and and then practice and travel and games. So, um, especially early on, when when, if you're not playing a lot, it's 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 much more of a job and can be a mental and physical drain than it is, uh, you know, playing AAU where you just hoop it up every two or three hours. And, you know, we live in a society that wants instant gratification. That's everybody wants to drive the Mercedes Benz and everybody wants to uh, sit in the VIP section or have courtside seats. And, and we pay for, for uh, you know, VIP or luxury type experiences. And every, every round, whether it's going out to dinner, whether it's going to a nightclub, whether it's traveling, and that's the same type of mindset. Like everybody wants to say they're a Division One player, or say their kid is a Division One player, or um, say that they coached a Division One player. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it all translates to to reality when uh, that young man or young lady has to show up and deliver when the lights are on.
0: Yeah, like I said. Sometimes it goes from chasing success to chasing clout. And, and you're right. I tell players this all the time. If you want to be at the next level, you got to have a passion for it because at the next level, you know, I've been part of a Division One program. It's not all great all the time, and you got to deal with some things. And I think that's what happens with a lot of players who either go in the transfer portal or whatever it may be. you you got to have a passion for it. And if you don't, if you're just like you said, someone that just likes it and likes the, the attention, and when all that fades, I don't think that's for you as much. And it's nothing wrong with that. You know, you can like, you can have a great high school career and then go on and live your life. But yeah, no,
1: I completely agree. And. And speaking of, the, speaking of the program that you're associated with, I don't know if the Rockets are ever going to lose again. The women won like a million in a row. The men's won like about a million in a row. I, I suppose they should just go cut down the nets at the Final Four, just keep their win streak alive. I mean, I think combined, I think I, you'll, you'll know for sure, but I think I saw they won like 20 or 21 in a row between the two teams. So fantastic times over there on a uh, Savage Arena and bob nichols court both the lady rockets and and todd's uh you know, men's squad are just getting it done and, and and right there trying to win a regular season championship heading into that mac tournament out in cleveland here in
0: a, a week or so i believe it's 22 12 by the men 10 by the women and uh, as you but as you know here at toledo especially for the men you know you get the three straight regular season titles but you know the fans here since, since 1980 want them to be in the big dance
1: you know, I mean, that's the ultimate glitz and glam to, to see your university's name on that bracket line um, printed in the, printed on ESPN.com or in the Toledo Blade after uh, Selection Sunday. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's a tough road to host sometimes in the Mid American Conference because, you know, those teams, they just beat each other's up because there's really, really quality players and coaches. In the MAC, and when you got to go to a neutral floor uh, in a massive NBA arena that's only about a third full, uh, and 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 you know win three or four games in a row um, in in three to five days to you know win your conference tournament, um, it's not easy. It's not easy, and otherwise everyone would do it, obviously, right? But yes, it definitely has been. Uh, a long route for the men's program and you know uh the women would love to get back there too because they've had such a storied uh, tradition so you know maybe this is a year maybe it's not but either way both of those coaches are coaching their tail off and and have really developed some really good players you know players within the program who made massive leaps Uh, from last year to this year or from two years ago to now in terms of, hey, that's not really what they were when they showed up on campus. And, you know, we live in a day and age where you want kids to show up on campus and then be those stars and and get it done on day one. And and then sometimes when they do, then they transfer and go to bigger schools. But both of those programs got kids who have developed in those systems and are really, uh, you know, shining bright right now.
0: Especially JT Shoemate, who started out at D2, now up to D1. so. And you know, then Kowalchik's gotten a couple of transfers to come in from other schools. So, but that's just the name of the game right now. But and and it is a third full during the the quarterfinals and in the semis. But then the championship game, especially depending on what schools, it does get a little packed in there. But it's still a great atmosphere to play at the uh, Quicken Loans Arena or no Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse, whatever they call it now. So, um, you know, I've done several of them. So they've always been fun. Speaking of the tournament, what do you like to see in the boys' state tournament here?
1: Uh, in a high school state tournament, yes. You know, I just love to see, uh, just love to see the teams from Northwest Ohio compete. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's always uh, a tough deal because they, we, we, you start the state tournament, and you basically play the same teams from the same area. But you want to see if someone can make it down to that Elite Eight or, you, you know, the Final Four or whatnot. That would be fantastic. I mean, we certainly have some teams that are coached well enough or have the talent in each, each of the levels. Um, but it's, it's just a challenge because. Right now, traditionally or historically, when you look at the top twenty-five teams in Division One, Two, Three, and Four, uh, you know I think we only got maybe four teams out of that hundred <laughs> represented from Northwest Ohio—four or five. I, I haven't looked this week, but um, right. you know, Cleveland and Cincinnati and Columbus are just putting out really, really strong teams, and even Dayton, Ohio. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just want to see uh, guys finish their careers on a high note and, and do the best they can, and see if you can get hot and get on a roll um you know obviously like I said Emmanuel Christian has so much talent it'd be interesting to see how they can do in the D3 uh uh poll but you know there's other teams from this area that are quite good as well Otto Glandorf and Cardinal Stritch and then you know like our D1 teams you know I really like uh you know Whitmer's squad and I like Perry's squad as I mentioned but um you just you just never know how that's going to shake out and we got other teams that could that can get an upset and get out of run as well and you know, uh, Central Catholic in D two and I'm sure I'm missing some somebody uh there along the way or D four school, but, but we have we have some we have some good programs. We just gotta see how it all shakes out.
0: Yeah, Central Cat Toledo Central Catholic plays Toledo Rogers on Friday and then they play the winner of Scott and Port Clinton for a district semi next week. Uh, Rossford and Maumee play on Friday. They would play the winner of Wasion and Woodward. So I'm thinking Rossford. And possibly Toledo, Toledo Central Catholic could be meeting for a district title on the fourth.
1: That'd be a really that'd be a really nice game of, of some c- completely uh, contrasting styles. So yeah, Central Rossford, that could be a good one. And I, I'll tell you, kind of an outside one, and I don't know that this is a you know state tournament run type team, but a team that probably hasn't got enough credit in the area is Sandusky High School. Mm. Uh, they won their league for the first time in a long time, and they uh, they just really guard and have some tough kids. They got a guard by the name of Demar Moore, who averages nearly a triple double. Who's he's, had he's several? I've probably had a dozen Division one schools call me and ask about him. And his dad uh, was a defensive lockdown uh, for Jim Laronega at Bowling Green State University um, in the late nineties.
0: Played with uh, current Whitmer basketball coach um, Anthony Stacy.
1: He did. He did. I believe Demar maybe is one year older than Stacy. I can't remember. They're in that same age range though. But yeah, Demar was is extremely extremely tough on-the-ball defender and, and and has done a, a great job as a coach over there uh what I believe is his alma mater.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Whitmer plays Bowser, and then the winner of that game will play the winner of Start and Southview. So a district semi between Whitmer and Start. Remember earlier in the year Start gave them the slap-up job Uh, at start I mean Whitmer came back a little bit but it was pretty much if you were at the game obviously I was because it was a boy girl doubleheader start pretty much dominating the game so that's an interesting one to see on the 28th start versus Whitmer
1: yeah you know one just because of the proximity of the schools you know being a few blocks apart and uh two both of those guys are really good coaches Mm -hmm. uh but then three you know there's been some uh, some transferring back and forth or some you know, some guys that started at one school and now at the other and that type of thing. So I think it just creates a natural rivalry. And I believe they've even had some assistant coaches swap from one staff to the other. So there's a, a very, very, very close proximity uh, between those two programs in a lot of ways. So, you know, it, it's it, you don't see a ton of direct rivalry games in the state tournament often, and that definitely would be one if they should happen to face up.
0: Uh, sectional St. John's and Tiffin Columbian in D1 will be an interesting one and then they will play the winner of, of Anthony Wayne and Finley like you mentioned before. Uh, Anthony And Wayne I'll and actually fin- be
1: calling those two games. I'll be calling both of those games live uh, for
0: BCSN Sports. So hey, what's your thoughts real quick?
1: Well, you know some contrasting styles in the first game. Uh, you know, I think St. John's is going to want to slow the game down and really defend in the half court where Tiffin uh, Columbian wants to run the ball and be out in transition Play fast. They got a kid named Beastin, uh, who who's kind of their do everything guy, and was their league player of the year. Um, then when you got you talk about Finley and Anthony Wayne, I mean those are two teams that are very very similar, almost carbon copies in terms of how they want to play. Uh, Uh, and how they want to defend so you know who can execute best and who can uh control the boards uh, offensively and defensively i think is going to be key in that one and then you know someone's just gonna have a good shooting night it's harder when you're on a neutral floor and you're playing teams that you aren't as familiar with um you know you you, you got to shoot the ball well uh to win in advance yeah
0: that is is totally true and uh that's a good thoughts uh like i said good luck to the rest of all of them that are that are playing actually and uh hopefully um they do well in the tournament. Last NBA thoughts on LeBron.
1: <laughs> the King, the King, the all-time leading scorer. You know, fantastic uh, testament to his longevity and impact on the game of basketball. I mean, you know, what can't you say about LeBron James? I mean, he's done so many fanta- fantastic things over so long. You know, this is it makes me feel old because I remember as a young Division One naive coach at uh, 22 years old, handwriting letters to LeBron at St. Vincent St. Mary's thinking you know maybe I can impact him to be interested in Bowling Green State University when I was uh, when I was working there so uh, you know because you got to try to recruit everyone in your home area you just never quite know right that's that's the naivety of a young guy I was I was trying to recruit everybody
0: <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait but, a minute. Uh, you said a handwritten letter though I mean that tells you how long ago it wasn't I mean, it's over 20 years ago but the fact oh, that
1: Oh yeah absolutely absolutely that would have been in 2000, 2001, but you know, LeBron has just been fantastic for the state of Ohio. He's been fantastic for the, for the game of basketball. Um, you know, and he's broken darn near every record, which is a testament, again, to his longevity and being able to stay healthy. Because a lot of guys, you know, father time or, you know, just natural progression of your body takes that opportunity away from you. And he's been able to play at the highest level for a very, very long time. You know, I think it's a, a little disappointing that, you know, someone that's uh, at this point in his career, I mean, heck, he's still averaging 30 points and eight rebounds and six assists or roughly whatever that is. Uh, the fact that you know, they're not as competitive when he's got some really good players around him and, and, you know, they kind of selected their coaching staff and you got a guy like Anthony Davis who's a premier player. So the fact that they're kind of out of the playoff hunt I think is a little disappointing from a fan standpoint or or even a basketball guru standpoint. Of course, it's got to be disappointing for him. Uh, But, you know, the Lakers have had, um, you know, their fair of trials and tribulations and controversies since he showed up there. And, you know, some early success, but it hasn't quite translated the last couple of seasons so that's disappointing because you'd love to see him uh you know still be at least competing in the playoffs and competing for championships uh to display you know his greatness and that kind of thing it it sort of at least in my mind um puts a a little lackluster finish on it uh statistics don't mean a whole lot if, if you're not winning ball games but uh you know just a fantastic career and and uh you know just can't say enough about what he's done for his family and and his, and his organizations when he's been at them and, you know, the city of Akron and his, his school and all the kids that are going to college and, and school for free and that type of thing. So that's just all awesome, awesome, positive stuff. It's, um, it's, it's great when people are, have the availability or the resources to give back and then they actually do that both financially
0: and with their time. And it could be he could be crazy. He could play with his son, Bronny James. They're predicting, I don't know if you saw this, that he could be Bronny in 2024, could be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft and possibly go to the Orlando Magic.
1: You know, I actually just saw that this morning when I was at breakfast with some coaches. And, uh, you know, that surprised me. I mean, I knew he had really improved and and had developed his game quite a bit and his stock had really raised. Uh, here since last season, but I mean that's taking leaps and bounds when you talk about you know high school guy to a lottery pick. I mean that's you know that's rare air, uh, no pun intended, when you get in that type of conversation. So we'll see, we'll see how it all turns out. I mean that would be something you know Ken Griffey like stuff you know father son on the same quarter, on the same field that would be a you know something very historic and you know if it works out it works out if it doesn't it doesn't it's still a neat story and and uh, i mean how awesome would that be for that for that family uh but nonetheless um you know you just want them to the chips to fall where it may be if he's if he's of that level or of that talent great and if he's not you know pick the university that fits for you and and go hoop it up at that level
0: hopefully he comes to ohio state or something it'd be nice to see him come back to the ohio state but it but it's a testament though the show that it takes time to grow remember Bronny early on people thought he sucked you know oh he's not like his dad well you know his dad is one in a million players but it shows you that sometimes people's games just have to mature into being a great player, you know what I'm saying? And people just nowadays they just want people to be instantly good and it's like it doesn't work that way.
1: Well, I, I it part of it is the exposure, right? We you get we get exposure too young uh, you, you know and it gets exploded too quickly if anyone even has an ounce or a glimmer of talent and or reputation or family ties. Um, and it's oftentimes unfair to the individual student athlete because, yeah, you got to g- develop physically, mentally, you know, grow your skill set, figure out if you love it, if you like it, if you want to do it. You know, just because your dad does it doesn't mean you have to do it. Yeah, but you, when you're under the microscope like he was at such a young age, I just it's so – so, so difficult. I definitely uh, don't wouldn't, um, you know, want that situation for any kid of mine because it's just uh, put them kind of in an unfair situation where they can't just grow up and be a kid. Uh, but, you know, he's handled it quite well, uh, much, you know, much like his dad did, you know, years ago. He's done an uh, admirable job of representing himself and his high school and, and his family, um, both on and off the court. To good what, point. That's
0: what I want to tell parents: just let the kid enjoy being a kid and just enjoy the ride and the process that goes into growing as a basketball player. But I, tr- you know, a lot of these parents don't really listen and get caught up in the clout. Well, thank you so much, Darren, for calling in. What's up next for you?
1: Oh man, just like like we talked about, state tournament and then college conference tournaments, championship week is my favorite week of the year i'm i love championship week way more than even the big dance because i think the uh rivalries and the games are are have a different feel to them because there's so much familiarity in our conference as opposed to the random matchups in ncaa tournament i mean that's much more of a fan appeal but from a basketball standpoint championship week uh, there's nothing like it to me and that's just around the corner um but other than that man just living the dream they tell me (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> same here sorry about not getting to, through to you throughout the season i mean my role kind of expanded more with whitmer's basketball team as a varsity assistant so i didn't really get as much time to really study much with the game with especially with the boys because i'm on the girl's side and then doing so much you know how it is to grind as a coach so that's why this year we didn't get as much time with you but uh hopefully maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll just recap some of the tournament stuff
1: no worries, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks for the invite. And can't stop, won't stop.
0: Yeah, that's right. Especially I see you always on BCSN doing a great job over there, too.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Take it easy, man. Bye now. Yep. That was Darren Cohn, the coach there on 88.3 WGT's After Further Review. Uh, make sure you always uh, check us out um, Saturdays on 88.3 WGT's live or taped to live. Usually eleven thirty to one thirty, or maybe noon to two. You know, it just depends on how we uh, set it all up. Uh, but also, make sure you check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, WHUT's after further review with a picture of Frank Vashner and the Horses Head. Uh, coming up next, you got more of eighty-eight point three WHUT here. As uh, let's see here. Man, where's my uh, stuff here? Are we getting into this? Whoops. Somebody uh, hit me up anyway. I was trying to get through through the music here, but like I said before, you know, around the world, I always, 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 always love Darren Cohn, the coach, on, on these shows because he gives you some really good content, and that's what we like to do on these podcasts is give you good content. We gave you about 45 minutes of good content. Maybe went over just a little bit over, but... When you have just great content like that with with a guy like Darren on the coach, you got to basically have it on, him on there. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to 88.3 WXG's after further review. When we return, like I said, more great topics discussed by myself, Frank, and David, the man that got here. This is 88.3 WXG's after further review. We're always going around on topics and going around the world and going around with different guests on this show. 88.3 WXG's after further review. We'll be back after this i you